Welcome to the Table of Perspective, where we take a deeper look into how the internal narrative of an individual determines their response to life itself and all it entails. Today I'll be doing part two of Yes, I Can Change the Shape of My World by Wilfred R. Kent. As I had spoken in the previous podcast, he goes on to be described as an outstanding psychologist and a committed Christian. That is what actually best describes Wolf Kent's ability to tell you how you can change the shape of your world. The last time I spoke a little bit about how personality change is possible and how we cannot or rather we are able to actually change our personality. So we'll get straight into that right after the first song. Do enjoy. Brighter than them all. I remember, wasn't it December? That's the wrong date, but it did put an end to our long wait. Cause we were getting restless while we waited for a special child with a mom highly favored. No more singing the blues. We knew the sky signified the coming of the king of the jewels. We studied the script. Next step was to study the trip. Packed up, we were ready to dip, ready to roll. Wasn't even sweating the cold. We were convinced of his hotness, ready to go. Don't forget the planks that anchor the tents. And with the gold, grab myrrh and some frankincense. Let's go. I'm on the road, dog. Got my backpack, maps, and my road, dogs. If you can see what we see, you will want to go where we're going just to be where we'll be. In the presence of more than a baby. Or the Lord who can save you and save me. Or maybe if it's still not clear, let wise men open your eyes and take you there. It's been a minute, but we're still stepping, still trekking. Can't wait to put our eyes on what our hearts expected. It's gone, I can't wait. In the palace, sit back and drink wine from the chalice. You know they from out of town, right? They probably downtown in the Crown Plaza, not in Crown Heights. He probably got a long line waiting to see him. I bet you even King Herod waiting to see him. I should give him a call, he probably let me in. And if he hooking me up, then we all getting in. Man, I call Herod, he don't know where he at. But he said if we find him, we should call him right back. I don't trust that dude, I ain't calling him back. Sure, what all that? You can see we're on the right track. What makes you say that? Than me. It 
truthfully, we were blown away by a king with no blame, just the throne of hate. Even shepherds had heard of him, somehow they got word of him. Wisemen, herdsmen, all of us worshiping. Anybody notice how the sheep and cows seem to peek and bow to the sleeping child? We went home a different way, not just geographically, but he impacted me. Never forget the day we got to sit back and see God's presence. A present gift wrap. And I hope you get that. Cause when you got Jesus, you don't have to wonder where the gifts at. I'm on the road, dog. Got my backpack, maps, and my road dogs. If you can see what we see, you will wanna go where we're going just to be where we'll be. In the presence of more than a baby. Or the Lord who can save you and save me. Or maybe if it's still not clear, let wise men open your eyes and take you there. I'm on the road, dog. Got my backpack. See what we see, you will want to go where we're going just to be where we'll be. In the presence of more than a baby, or the Lord who can save you and save me, or maybe if it's still not clear, let wise men open your eyes and take you there. So picking up where I left off on page 24, the interesting thing I find about how this book is structured is that it speaks about, actually the cover is quite humorous. In the front there on Yes, it is a square. And it says that I can change the shape of my world and there is a transition of shape into a circle. And it's, you know, not necessarily the best design that you might consider, but it actually speaks so clearly on how the perspective change or shift can really influence so much in your life. And so on page 24, it speaks about in Romans, we actually find the formula to how you can live a victorious Christian life. And it guarantees a personality change. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, acceptable and perfect, the will of God. These verses convince me that a personality change is not only a possibility, but it is a command. They give us the plea, the person, the persuasion, the prerequisite, and the prohibition, the potential, the process, and the product of personality change. I beseech, writes Paul, and this is a plea. Who is beseeching? Paul the Apostle, who sat at the feet of Gamaliel, a man who was sufficiently educated to carry three doctor's degrees. Paul the Apostle, who had citizenship in Rome and who breathed out vengeance upon Christianity, this man was not only educated, but he also experienced rather a profound change in himself. And it is he who pleads, I beseech you. In the original text, the picture you get is of Paul bending on one knee with his hands clasped as he says, look, I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. I am earnestly entreating you. Listen to me, my friends, this message is from God. What is so important that he should plead with such intensity? You, brethren, is the person. Paul is not talking to strangers to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's talking to brethren, men and women who have God's spirit dwelling within them. If you are a child of God, he's talking to you. I beseech is the plea. You, brethren, is the person. By what persuasion does this plea come? It doesn't come just by what the apostle is persuading you of. And it doesn't just come by the persuasion of your pastor. In actual fact, he goes on to say that it comes from the persuasion of God himself. I beseech you by the mercies of God. This is an authoritative because God says it. 
It is God who beseeches and it is God who says, look, I'm begging you to have a personality change. Do you realize that you are called by God? Do you realize that you are his workmanship created unto good works? Do you realize that God has placed his spirit within you that you should walk joyfully and victoriously? I get excited when I think of this. It is God who has called me and the persuasion comes by the mercies of God. The prerequisite is a personality change and that you present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Sorry, I just find that humorous. Your reasonable service. It means to abandon your total being to God, your hopes, your worries, your problems, totally abandon it all to God. Very often when the person comes into my office, I will take that person's hand and pray for them. While we're praying, I lift the hand and open the palm to God and say, Lord, there it is. Lord, I abandon the sum of totality of myself to you. This is the prerequisite for a personality change, a total abandonment to God. The depressed person hasn't abandoned his problems to God. The disillusioned, distressed individual hasn't abandoned his problems to God. The worried person hasn't abandoned his affairs to God. He hasn't given his problems, his future or aspirations to God. God doesn't have them. The individual still has them. God is unable to take charge of the problems because the person insists on retaining them. Instead of taking the problems to God and leaving them in his charge, they come to psychologists like me and expect us to take care of the situation. As long as you hold on to your problems, then you're responsible for the outcome. Instead of actually going to God and having him change the affairs of your life, you have to change them yourself. Instead of God carrying the burdens, you have to carry the burdens. But once you abandon yourself totally to God, what actually happens is God has to actually work it out. It is no longer yours. Our Lord lovingly entreats you to cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. He is the burden bearer. There was actually a guest speaker at our church that had shared a bit of a testimony or an elaboration on the scripture. Is that Peter, who had said this, was a fisherman. And so being able to cast a net, it is a total effort of throwing out. You don't just gently throw the net out to catch the fish because it's going to get all tangled and you're going to be in the middle of it. You have to cast it with total abandonment. And I found that that, I guess, image really does impress the importance of it. Then it goes on to say that the advantage the Christian has over the world is that he can abandon his problems to God. That actually happened to me. I had inherited a situation which was exceedingly difficult. There were 30 families on one side and another 30 families on the other side. And I had to mediate between the two. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Whatever you do, you know you're going to have half the people angry with you. The only way I could possibly have succeeded was to walk away, disappear into oblivion. And I feel like that's what most of us really like doing. Or not even like, it feels like it's the only option. And he says that I desperately wanted to do that. When you are forced into a position where whatever choice you make is a bad choice, do you know what you tend to do? You tend to put it off, hoping that it will go away. I put off making this decision for a total of six months and ended up in a hospital with an ulcer. Me, in the hospital with an ulcer, I surely was. And while I was there in the hospital lying on a bed because of my illness, my doctor walked in and said to me, Doc, you don't get ulcers from what you eat. You get ulcers from what's eating you. Physician, heal yourself. And with that, he turned on the ball of his foot and walked out. 
the effect it had on me was the same as if he had taken a wet mackerel and hit me across the face with it. I sat bolt upright and said, Lord, what a testimony am I to my doctor. Here I am walking around speaking peace to people and I'm sick inside with an ulcer. Then I did something which was not acceptable to my physician. I discharged myself from the hospital that day. Determined to solve the problem, I prayed, Lord, I'm going to handle the situation now and I need your help. I'm going to get out on a limb and if you saw the limb off behind me and I crashed to my defeat, the problem is yours. My welfare is your problem, God. One thing I'm certain, I'm not going to bleed in the hospital anymore. I attacked the problem like a bull in a china shop. The problem was solved. I made a choice. Five years went by and I learned that the decision I made was the wrong decision. That's right, I made a choice, but it was the wrong choice. But you see, I did the right thing in choosing. There is nothing weaker than a person who does nothing. I did the right thing by saying, Lord, I'm going to choose. The basis on which I was able to determine to choose was that I abandoned the problem and its outcome to God and said, Here it is, Lord. Now whatever happens to me is your problem. You know something? I've never had an ulcer since. And I feel like that's just such a, an incredible testimony of what it kind of looks like to be completely abandoned in that situation. In literally the thick of the worst possible situation you could have, not choosing is really the choice you make. You have chosen basically the, the poor outcome of your defeat. And I'm actually just going to go on to chapter four right after the first or rather the second song and do enjoy and we'll be back shortly. Ch- 
Trippin' off the fall, people at the mall People in the line, steady buying lot of merchandise Why am I trippin' though? Nothing wrong with buying things I am in the same line, bout to spend a lot of green But there is a problem and people need to know The offender, holy God, I'm bout to yell it in the stove See, what's the point of time? But this is not a fairy tale God created man and we said I know it very well Plus you know it too, look at you, you racked up Ain't no telling what you do, just to keep your stacks up Get God in his grace, chose to demonstrate his love And send his only son, Jesus Christ, to shed his blood he came down, first he lived a perfect life Was the perfect sacrifice, you should worship him tonight He's worth a crown See, Jesus, he invaded, just so you can be related The season is celebrated cause of him So chapter four, they're starting to go, or rather the author is starting to go into the thick of the book. And the title of the chapter is, Yes, I Can Change the Shape of My World. Poets have asked the question, what is man? Philosophers have attempted to write about the person of man. Who is man? As the psalmist David looked into the heavens and saw the sun and moon and stars and asked, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Many young people today are asking the same questions. Who am I? Where am I going? What is my purpose? Really, who are you? As you sit there reading this book, or rather listening to it in a sense, I ask you, who are you? Why are you here? What are you doing? Where are you going? These are questions which cannot be answered with a simple statement. In the late 1900s, a young Viennese doctor by the name of Sigmund Freud recognized that far more time was spent investigating and analyzing the psychological or the physiological nature of man. His heart, his lungs, the circulatory system, the visceral organs within him, the appendages such as hands, the fingers, the legs, then the psychological nature, his mind. Freud said to himself, I'm going to find out why man responds to certain stimuli the way that he does. Why does he react the way that he reacts? Why does he feel what he feels? Why does he do what he does? Freud was a brilliant man, but he himself had many problems. Most of his psychology, which we now recognize as the Freudian psychoanalytic theory, was discovered as a direct result of introspection. The word introspection simply means to inspect, to look inwardly. Like a man looking into a mirror, and asking himself the question, why do I have blue eyes? Why do I feel like I feel? What is the odd reaction that I'm experiencing? It was through subjective self-analysis that Freud arrived at many of his conclusions. Freud became known as the father of modern psychology. There are many fields and branches of psychology today which disagree with Freud. But he was the person who tried to define the psychological nature of man. It was he who came up with a terminology which says that man is made up of three parts. Ego, ID and superego. 
everybody has a has heard of ego we say that's good for a man's ego or conversely hey you should know how to hurt a man's ego ego is the self that rational part of me that thinks and chooses the id is the part of me which functions only on the basis of pain and pleasure that's all a child knows when it grows up pain and pleasure Unfortunately, many people, and this is sidetracking from the book, unfortunately, many people end up being adults who only live for pain and pleasure. And I've visited with several people at uh, retirement homes and retirement villages. And there's a point where they lose purpose for life and only feed on the problems of others. Yes, you may go ahead, do that. But the outcome of that is really quite a miserable, unfortunate life. He goes on to say that, I'm thirsty, that's pain. I have a glass of water and that quenches my thirst, that's pleasure. Bright light falls into my eyes, that's pain. I close my eyes, shielding the rays from my retina, that's pleasure. I'm tired, that's pain. I lie down and sleep, that's pleasure. That's all the ID knows. Pain and the absence of pain, which is pleasure. A child growing up knows only pain and pleasure. When it is hungry, it cries, that's pain. When the mother puts a bottle into the child's mouth, that's pleasure. The diaper is full, that's pain. Certainly it creates a great deal of discomfort and the child cries. So the diaper is changed and that's pleasure. There is, however, a third part to me and that's called the superego. And Freud said that I don't really understand what the superego is, but it must be our conscience. Because that process sits in my judgment over my behavior, either condemning or excusing me. Let me give you an example of how this works. I get up in the morning on a hot summer's day and I go to work. It may be a, a brick carrier or someone who's doing a great deal of heavy manual labor. And by 9 o'clock, the sun gets very warm. By 10 o'clock, the sun becomes stifling hot. And by 11, the sun is searing hot and a tremendous or rather a tremendous thirst develops within me. And I say, oh, I'm thirsty. That's pain. When the ID says pain, what do you want is pleasure. Abstinence from hurt. Why don't you go and have a beer? Just go and have a nice cold mug of beer with a head of froth. That would be pleasure, says the ID. Ego comes along and says, now look friend, you know perfectly well that if you get caught drinking on the job, you're going to get fired. If you're really smart, you'll wait until 4 o'clock and then you can stop on the corner of 37 and 7th Street at Joe's Greasy Spoon and you can have whatever you want. You can go and drink to your heart's content and you won't get fired. You can sleep your headache off and come to work the next morning and start the process all over again. Super Ego comes along and says, hold it. If you're really thirsty, a glass of water will satisfy that thirst. Furthermore, you're going to ruin your life by drinking. Furthermore, your children need new shoes. The ID says, but I want it. The superego reasons, but you don't need it. The ID argues, but I want it. Superego insists, but you don't need it. And again, ID screams back, but I want it. And that's called frustration. Your ego, the rational you, must mediate between those two forces and make a choice. Superego, therefore, that part of the psyche which controls at an unconscious level the impulses of the ID. It is the conscious of the unconscious. In the more recent years, another process known as transactional analysis came along and declared, man is three parts. He is parent, adult, and child. Sometimes I act the parent, other times I act the child, and there are times that I act adult. There are processes at work within me. I get up in the morning and say, honey, would you get my socks? I'm acting like a child because I'm soliciting her help, and I need some help. And I'm actually going to end here for now. 
as the book continues on, it speaks more about how the Bible actually views these three perspectives. We know that we are not just a man, we are soul, spirit, and we are also will. And there is an interesting comparison, especially in scripture, when you see the outcry of many of the apostles and many of the people that have gone before us in the Old Testament and scripture, how in their honesty with God, they've come to the conclusion that didn't need an educational study such as Freud had created, although it does make things simpler to understand it in that manner. But the soul of man is most restored in the presence of God. And his emotions, his willingness, his lack of willingness, his desires, all of these things are overcome and put in their correct placing when we place them in God's hands. And just to close off, the book again by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity he stated something very interesting that I think oftentimes we don't observe is that evil actually is the misplaced or wrongly put good because you can have good intentions, but in its scenario, in its situation where it is perverted in a sense, that is really where evil becomes evil. And obviously there is scripture behind, we know Satan being basically the father of all lies. We see that truth skew or in slight is now destructive because of the way that it has been perverted. And so when we're looking at emotions and everything or rather the intellectual analysis of the human being, this book really speaks very clearly on how to biblically deconstruct and apply the word and go through this process with the Holy Spirit. It is not something that we can do on our own and there are solutions to our emotional, psychological, physical problems, but our ignorance of them do not make it false. In actual fact, we just live in a state of consequence because of that. I hope that that was somehow encouraging and if you are able to, I thoroughly and highly encourage you to get this book. It's called Yes, I Can Change the Shape of My World by Wilfred R. Kent. And I hope that you have a splendid day further. That's all from me. Cheers. Sure, I'm in 
miniature crisp with his Christmas gifts From the smallest to the biggest wish, nothing on the list was missed Then mum and dad would come and find me and they'd remind me that Santa Claus was a fraud and didn't exist In our house there was no tree or mistletoe, no bells and whistles but the tinsel was official though Sat at the table with the paper crown tilted, the roast would leave you comatose The cooking always killed it, but now that me and my youth have parted ways All I get are Cliff Huxtable jumpers and cheap aftershaves There's no more clothes and toys, at first I was so annoyed Now seeing them being with fam is what I most enjoy Close joy, holler at your holiday traditions Whether it's well wishing a tree picking for trimming It's the season for remembering Long before I would come to understand The gift was in the giving I recall calling out toys Wanna buy your boy and photo ops With the Santa Claus in a mall It was all about G.I. Joes and play wars Against their foes, Cobra or Transformers Autobots and Septicons Can't forget Thundercats It was a simpler time This song's a way to run it back These are snapshots of memories We're giving you with that A Merry Christmas is what we're all wishing I for for us Spell or shall I say think back? Those, those, those were the days. I reminisce for a spell or shall I say think back? Back, back, back in the day. I reminisce for a spell or shall I say think back? Those, those, those were the days. I reminisce for a spell or shall I say think back? Let's take a second think back. Think back. I reminisce for a spell or shall I say think back? Those were the days. I reminisce for a spell or shall I say think back? good what's happening this is me and Danny the long-awaited and I'd like to wish you a Merry Christmas keep safe and just keep on gaming but don't forget it's Jesus special day